optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now it is seen a perfect time. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com slash TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com slash TFS. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, boys and girls, ladies and germs. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. This one is an experimental episode, as I often indulge in, and it features one of my favorite writers, an inspiring fellow, Paulo Coelho, who has long been one of my writing inspirations. His books of near-universal appeal span from The Alchemist to the most recent adultery, and his work has been translated into more than 70 languages. Who knew there were even 70 languages on the planet? And few people know that The Alchemist, which was sold to an original Brazilian publisher, which printed 900 copies, has now sold more than 65 million copies worldwide. I expect it's probably more than 100 million. That original Brazilian publisher, after the 900 copies, declined to reprint it. It wasn't until after his subsequent novel, called Brida, that The Alchemist was revived and took off. I, for one, have always been very impressed with consistent writers. Uh, Paulo averages one book every two years, and he is staggeringly consistent. As I 
am recording this, I'm under the pressure of deadlines. And I more often feel like Kurt Vonnegut did, also one of my favorite writers. And he explains it with a quote, quote, when I write, I feel like an armless, legless man with a crayon in his mouth. That's most of the time that I spend writing. So my output is erratic at best. And I wondered, how does Paulo write? What is his process? How does he think about it? And this episode covers a lot of that. It might seem like a niche topic for this podcast, for those of you who say, well, I'm not a writer, what am I going to get out of this? And what I would encourage you to think of as you listen, and the audio is a little bit grainy because he recorded it from Geneva in Switzerland, that it showcases in many ways the struggle and how someone at the top of their game who has seemingly beaten all of the odds still has the daily struggle. And I reached out to him. He was kind enough to reply with the audio that I've included. And he really provides some gems and answers to the following questions, which I will read right now because he doesn't always repeat them. And here we go. So the first is, when on deadline, what is the first thing you do in the morning? What does your daily schedule look like? Do you take any days off? And what determines if you've had a, quote, successful, end quote, writing day? The next, how do you capture ideas that might be helpful in your writing? These days, what software and tools do you use for writing? Next, how much of your books do you visualize or outline up front versus writing organically piece by piece? In other words, how much of the story arc have you decided before you start writing? Let's take two books as examples, The Alchemist and Aleph, A-L-E-P-H. Otherwise, how did the process differ for these two books? What are your most common mistakes that you see first-time novelists making, most common weaknesses, do you base your characters on real people? Why or why not? If not, how do you develop those characters? And then last, what are the two to three things you personally find most invigorating or helpful when you're stuck or feel stagnated with writing slash ideas? Do you have a team of any type, researchers, etc., who help you? And he also offered a few other suggestions. Uh, the, well, the first is some context. The sentence in Alice in Wonderland that he mentions is, begin at the beginning, the king said gravely, and go on till you come to the end, then stop. That is it. And he covers a lot on his YouTube channel. And for all of his musings, you can certainly see his Facebook fan page, which is just facebook.com forward slash Paulo Coelho. And he has the same handle on Twitter. I think he has something along the lines of 28 million fans uh, as I record this, which is astonishing. So without further ado, please enjoy this short and experimental episode with the incredible Paulo Coelho. And I will link to anything he mentions in the show notes, as well as additional resources at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash podcast. Hello, team. Uh, Paulo Coelho. Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, looking forward to, to meet you, as I said in my email. As for your answers, I will try to be as brief as I can. Uh, about the deadline, I don't have deadlines. I write a book once every two years, and uh, I sit down, of course. Uh, I have the book inside of me, and I start procrastinating. In the morning, I check in my emails, I check uh, news, I check uh, everything that I could check, or just to postpone the moment uh, uh, to sit and face myself as a writer in front of my book. So let's say that for three hours I'm trying to tell my, to myself that, oh no, no, uh, later, later, later. And then one moment I say, okay. Just not lose the face in front of myself. I'm going to sit and I'm going to write half an hour. Uh, 
And I do, and of course this half an hour becomes uh, ten hours in a row. That's why I write my books very quickly, because uh, I cannot stop. I cannot stop, and uh, and then of course at night I take a lot of notes because I'm still in the speed of writing book or the book. The next day, these notes are totally useless. The same thing happens again. Checking emails, going to social communities, post, post, postponing, procrastinating, and, and I cannot, I cannot stop. Probably this is my inner ritual, you know. I have to feel guilty, uh, uh of not writing, uh, for three hours or four hours, but then when I'm there, I start writing and, and, and non-stop. As I said before, two, two weeks, in two weeks I have the book ready. Um, uh, okay, next question. My daily schedule while writing books is, is the one that I just described, trying to escape from my task of writing my books. <laughs> Uh, my normal daily schedule is um, in the morning checking my social communities, answering emails, uh, then walking. Walking is for me my way of thinking, my way of meditating. It's not that I'm thinking, but I'm in a kind of transit, uh, totally connected with the present moment. And when I arrive from walking, I sit here and then I start really uh, connecting to to my social communities. I work with three or four people, not more than that. My agent in Barcelona, uh, my office in Brazil, and my webmaster. This is the only two people that uh, three people that have access uh, to me. Uh, there is a, a very strong shield. Uh, uh, so I can really use my time um, to do what I think I should do to fulfill uh, this blessing that it was bestowed on me that was to allow me to to live my personal legend, to become a writer against all odds, uh, because Brazilians uh, don't have this tradition to be translated. And besides that, there are very few authors who can make a living out of writing, nothing in the U.S., but, but all over the world. However, I, I was so committed to, to my work that, uh, that uh, it was my dream. It was my dream from the very beginning, so I really enjoy what I do. I don't, I don't work. In fact, what I'm doing is really to have pleasure and have fun and have social responsibility uh, towards uh, my readers, myself, and the world where I live. Ah. Do I take any days off? I take many... Well, back to what I said, I force myself to give... Uh, to take uh, uh, two weeks off, but not during the, the my writing period. My writing period is like I go into a tank and I only can leave this tank uh, after finishing the book. So, I, as, as Alice in Wonderland, 
Lewis Carroll says, Alice in, Alice in Wonderland, is very easy to write a book. Uh, start in the beginning, uh, go through the middle, and go to the end, and then stop. That's it. No, no secret. I can later quote uh, Lewis Carroll's sentence in an email. I don't know it by heart, but it's more or less what I said. A successful writing day is the day that I suffer in the morning and I have fun in the evening. Fun by writing. Fun, I will not describe this as fun. It's also painful, but, uh, and it's, it's exhausting because I don't realize that I'm totally connected. I'm in a kind of transit. Uh, so, uh, when I, when I go to bed after 10 hours working, uh, well, the adrenaline is still, is, is still circulating in my blood. So it takes hours to, to sleep, and I, there is this note, notepad by, by my side, and I take notes, but I take notes only to take them out from my head. They, they will be useless ne next day. Uh, I never used notes that I took uh, on, on leave to continue writing. And this happened since I wrote my first book, The Pilgrimage. I cannot change this process. I wish I could sit and write and not feel guilty for four or five hours during the day. Uh, it's impossible. How do I capture ideas that might be helpful in your writing? I don't. I don't. I try to live my life. I try. I do live my life. And eventually some subject pops up when this cycle of two years uh, ends. And there are several layers of ideas, you know? I think, I'm going to write a book about this, and then I start, and then the second, and then the third. But hidden behind all these books that are not ready to be written or should never be written, it is the book that I want to be written, that, that, that I want to write. So, and the, it is the book that wanted, wants to be written. I think it's a much more a decision, uh, from the book then, from, from the writer. And then when you discover the first sentence, behind this first sentence there is a thread that takes you to the last, to the last sentence of the book. Let's see, let me give you an example. When I wrote The Alchemist, I want to write a metaphor about me, about my life. And, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know why did I choose a shepherd boy. I never been a shepherd. I did not, uh, do any research on shepherds. Uh, not even in Islam. I heard someone when I was in Israel mention, mentioning the five precepts of Islam. But the book was there. I think that when you write a book, as it is written in the alchemist, you connect to the soul of the world. You connect to this energy that I call inspiration. Everybody calls inspiration. And then, uh, and then there's not that 
such an effort to write it. As for I left, I took this Trans-Siberian journey in 2006, and I never thought I would be able to write a book on it. Uh, why? Because it's so difficult to explain this point that contains everything. So I lived my experience uh, traveling for three months. I met this Aleph, this point, but I thought I would be unable to write about it. And then uh, one day, uh, two years ago, I was talking to a friend and, and she said, why don't you write about it, the Trans-Siberian? Uh, no, this long trip. I said, first, because I don't feel like writing this. Second, because it's not every single experience that I have in my life that I want to write, on the opposite. Uh, uh, I write about a few experiences, but not all of them. But, well, and then, okay, three days later, I got this inspiration. Yes, I should write. The book is ready. And I started the book with a word that normally you don't start a book. It is no. Nobody starts a book saying no. It's considered to be a bad vibe. Uh, that said, uh, the book is now, at the moment that I'm recording this interview, number one everywhere. It was released uh, two weeks ago in in Germany and it went to number three one week ago and then this week number two. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to capture ideas, you're lost. Because you, you're not going to live your life. You're going to be capturing ideas. You're going to be detached from the emotions that you need to be, well, to live fully. You'll be an observer and not a human being that is living his or her life. Uh, I strongly, I strongly, except of course for technical stuff, I strongly encourage writers not to think about writing every, every time that they do something. Uh, uh, forget the notebooks, forget taking notes. Let what is important remains. What's not important goes away. So when you sit down to write, uh, uh, well, there is this process of purge, this process of cleansing, that only the important things remain. So it's much more easy than taking notes and overload yourself with information. Uh, software and tools that you use for writing. I, I use... Uh, I, I would like to learn about it more. I don't want this podcast to be very long. I know that it is a blog, but basically I use the word. And, and that's all. That's all. Having said that, uh, a writer today is not a writer of books. He or she must be fully conscious that there are different, different types of writing. You can write for books, you can write for mobiles, you can write Twitter, you can write blogs, and each and every uh, platform requires a different technique. This is what is very exciting for writers today is 
we are in front of a new challenge and uh, and uh, you have to learn how to do it a tweet is not a book a book is not a tweet so uh, but please uh, writers should exercise uh, training in this in this new techniques let's forget about the classic format of books uh, and move to to the way that internet is now forcing us to to move forcing i mean uh, encouraging us to to write uh, yeah as for the story arc there are only four stories okay the story of a love story between two people a love story between three people the struggle for power and the journey every single book that it is in a bookstore deals with these four archetypes these four things so you have to decide only uh, among these four themes but back it is not a, uh, in my case it's not me who decides it is uh, it is the book itself i'm not saying well the book is powerful it is an angel that it is whispering to me what to write no i'm not saying i'm not uh, saying that i'm saying that uh, that uh, normally i have 10,000 books that I feel like writing, and at the end of the day, I only write one. Uh, let's take two books as examples, you said. How can we say I left? How did your process differ from these two books? Uh, they are very much close. One is a metaphor, that it is the alchemist. The other one is a real experience my own experience. However, both of them are in the classic uh, story arc of travel, of a journey. Uh, so, uh, they are very much close. Uh, they are part of my soul. If there is... Uh, yeah, I think that I answered the question. What are the most common mistakes that you see first-time novelists making? Uh, the most common mistake is the first-time novelists are always postponing, and then and then they they are very very much insecure when they finish and they publish a book, and you talk to them, and they said, "Oh, but you need to see my next book." This is totally nonsense. Uh, uh, if you go, if you talk to many, 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 many writers, uh, they say that. And I don't understand. I really don't understand why do they say that. You cannot underrate yourself. You cannot feel insecure. You cannot, you cannot sell your next book by, by despising your, your, or underrating your, your, the book that it was just published. Uh, so as for style and, 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 and this type of things, uh, don't try to innovate. I mean, you can innovate in Twitter, Facebook, uh, 
books, uh, mobiles, but don't try to innovate uh, storytelling. Storytelling is the, well, it is the, since the dawn of times, and, uh, and it is magical and, and, and tell a good story. Uh, I see people trying to work to, so much in style, you know, finding different ways to tell the same thing. Uh, that is like, it's like, uh, well, it's like fashion, you know. Style is the dress, but the dress does not dictate what is inside the dress, uh, the person. So what counts is the person inside the dress, not the dress itself. Of course, you need to write with good taste and, uh, and, uh, and another advice that I would give is that keep it simple. Keep it simple. Uh, use, uh, trust your reader. He or she has a lot of imagination. Don't try to describe things. Give a hint and they will fulfill this, uh, this hint with their own imaginations. That's why, that's why I'm so reluctant to to sell the rights of my book to movies because there you have everything. The reader does not need to think. However, if I say like an LF uh, at the very beginning, uh, well, I am in my house in the Pyrenees and there is a, an oak there. Well, I don't need to explain the details of my house in the Pyrenees. I only need to put the two elements that are important, the oak, uh, myself, and the person that I'm talking to. And that's all. So keep it simple. Trust your reader. Uh, understand that uh, he or she uh, can fulfill the empty spaces. Don't over-explain. Most common weaknesses of first-time novelists of course, lack of self-confidence. Uh, when when the Alchemist was published, uh, it did not sell. So the first publisher gave me the the book back. But I was so convinced that I started knocking doors, and uh, and then I find I found a second publisher. Imagine. There was one month in my life that I could really quit uh, my dream. And if I was not perseverant enough, uh, the alchemist would not be the worldwide success as it is today. Uh, the second weakness is, is, is to pay too much attention to critics. I don't think this happened in the U.S., but outside the U.S., critics... Well, they are losing ground very fast because uh, now internet has this power of promoting or killing anything, but still writers want to please their peers. They want to please other writers. Uh, they want to be recognized by the academia, by the system. Forget about this. Who cares? You know, you should care to to share your soul and not and not 
to please other writer who is going to write a review that nobody's going to read, uh, just tell you how good you are, and then you are you are also obliged in the future to write a review about his books. No, 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 forget, forget. This is a, really a weakness. Don't pay attention, and also don't answer to reviewers. Don't answer to critics. Uh, do I base my characters in real people? Depends. In, in many books, yes. Aleph, of course. Uh, the Pilgrimage, my first book, yes. No fiction. The Valkyries. Uh, but yes, you cannot take something out of nothing. So when you write a book, you, you, you use your experience, not your conscious experience, but things that are important, as I said, and that remains in you. Uh, and I don't, I don't uh, develop my characters. I, I give them, them free reign. They, they, they guide me. When I used to read that in biographies of other writers, I said, oh, this, this guy, these people, they are trying to, cheat me because come on, how can a character guide a, a writer? They are just trying to make it very mystical, very, you know, uh, like they were uh, in an ivory tower. But in fact, when I start writing, I saw that this is totally true. Except, of course, for some books that uh, should be based in concrete experiences. In my case, it is uh, The Pilgrimage, uh, Valkyries, and, and Aleph. Uh, let me, yeah. What, what are the two, three things I find most invigorating or helpful when you are stuck or feel stagnated with writing ideas? Okay, there is only one thing, for there are no two, three, four. When I feel stagnated, I promise to myself that if I don't feel inspired, I need to move forward. I need to have discipline. So, and it happens. In the middle of a book, no, there I am, without knowing how to continue the story, even if it is a non-fiction story. But then I say, okay, <laughs> you are fighting with me? <laughs> you book are fighting with me? Okay. I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to leave you alone until I find my way out of this crossroads. And, and then it may take 10 minutes, it may take 10 hours, but if you don't have discipline enough, you don't move forward. So at the end of the day, Tim, writing books is basically sharing your experience. And this is part of the human condition. Uh, and if you really are honest, if you don't try to feel a formula, to follow a formula, you have to be free to write. I wrote about the prostitution in, in 11 minutes. I wrote about, uh, about, uh, 
madness in Veronica decides to die. So I wrote about things that are important to me, issues that are important to me. And you, you should be free to write things that you feel. And not try to repeat the same formula over and over again. So, and I don't have researchers. No, no, no. If I need any research, of course, when I wrote Aleph, I did not take notes, as I told you. I had this fantastic experience, but then I am in a city in the middle of Siberia, and I forgot uh, the name of the street, of the hotel. Then I do a, a quick research. That's all. Uh, but uh, if you overload your book with a lot of research, you're going to to be very boring to yourself and to your readers. Books are not there to show how intelligent and cultivated you are. Books are out there to show your heart, to show your soul, and to tell you, your, your friends, readers, I'm not alone, and I hope you're not, because you can identify yourself with my, my books or my words, as I can identify yourself with your garden, with your music, with your anything that we do with love. Thank you very much. Sorry, it is a little bit, bit uh, big. I'm going to upload and to send you the podcast. May God bless you, as we say here, au revoir. Hey guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out. Just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com all spelled out and just drop in your email and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.